0: That, today's title is "Ready for Every Good Work." We're going to be in Titus three one through eight. So turn there in your scriptures. Does anybody need a Bible? Anybody? We've got some Bibles. We can have some guys bring it to you. Does anybody want? Okay, excellent. We'll have most of Scripture up on the screen this morning for you. As we continue in this message, today uh, is is a unique message. Uh, it's a it's a continuation of thought by Paul. And so far, Paul's been pretty, he's been on it, man. He's hes really been on it. But now he's going to unlock some truth for us. That really, for each of us in this room today, you're going to have to wrestle with what's going on here. This is good stuff. This is like if you ever imagined yourself going to one of those real estate seminars and killing it, right? You know, you're sitting there with 800 other people and You know, uh, Johnny Smith is up there giving you his five, you know, surefire ways to flip houses and be a millionaire in one week, right? Um, Maybe you've pictured yourself there. Maybe you haven't. This morning, that's how valuable this stuff is. So you are now attending a a seminar for spiritual life. And uh, there's going to be some unlocked truth here that for some of us in the room, it's not unfamiliar. But for all of us in the room... We're going to have to wrestle with it, and it's going to be good. I guarantee you'll you walk out of here today kind of wrestling a little bit with, all right, what's the Holy Spirit doing in my life? And what do I do or don't do about that? So let's pray over this, that the Lord really gives us insight, spiritual insight as to what's happening. Father, we ask that you open our eyes, lift that veil from our eyes this morning, so that we really, truly, clearly see how this works. How this relationship with You works. What is the Holy Spirit's role in our life? And how does that work itself out with good works? What does good works even mean, Lord? How can we get some clarity on this when it comes to each of our lives? Father, Your Spirit will be able to go beyond what I can do. I just will be using the words that You've given. But You know their lives. You know all of our lives. So I'm going to ask that, again, as I collaborate with the Holy Spirit in this message, that He transcends what I say and works within each heart, within each mind, to what each person needs this morning. I do this knowing that you will honor that prayer. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, and by the power of the cross and the resurrection, Amen you have a couple statements in your sermon notes, please take those out. You're going to fill in the blanks. You're going to memorize all the stuff. You will be tested Thursday, eight o'clock. Okay, I'll send you the test. I'm just kidding. Relax. If you're visiting, relax. I, I always clarify when I'm being sarcastic. I'm being sarcastic. No. Titus three, one through eight. As we look at this this morning, I want you to capture this idea. This is what I want you to walk away with today. Spiritual collaboration is is the result of spiritual cohabitation. Spiritual collaboration is the result of spiritual cohabitation. You have a quote here from Oswald Chambers, and he says this, The secret of a Christian is that the supernatural is made natural in him by the grace of God. And the experience of this works out in the practical details of life, not in times of communion with God. That's fascinating. We're going to blow that up a little bit today. We're going to look and see and examine how does that work with what Paul is talking about and how does that work in my life? This morning, you may be an individual that this is all new, this is all fresh. So let me just share with you that What we're studying is a letter that was written by a man of God that was used mightily. So mightily that much of his writings are what has formed the New Testament. He and a team, we believe, a team landed on the island of Crete, first century, and they started establishing churches. This is like establishing churches right next to the Mirage, you know, New York, New York, um you know, the MGM Grand. I mean, it it would be the equivalent of that. Not an easy church plant, okay? Cretans were known for their horrible choices. Their horrible lifestyle. They were the worst of the worst. And even take take Christ out of the picture, even Greek philosophy and, and Greek culture at that time, Roman culture, knew that if you lived on the island of Crete, you're a pretty bad dude. Okay, that's how they said it exactly back then. Pretty bad dude. So this morning, what we're looking at is Paul writes a letter to Titus, and he says, I left you there, and here's what I need you to do. You've got to strengthen these churches. That's why we're doing this study. You've got to strengthen these churches. We established them, but that's not enough. And so he says, you've got to put good, strong leadership in there, or they're not going to survive. And then secondly, and this is where we start to dive in today, he says, you've got to encourage them towards good works. you got to encourage them towards good works. Now, if I throw this out at you and say, hey, who do you know that predicates their salvation on good works? Their salvation depends on what they do. There are religions that teach that. Here's a unique thing that you're going to hear today. And so maybe you're in the room and you knew all what I just said. Maybe it's all brand new. Maybe you know Jesus Christ as your Savior already. Maybe you don't. Maybe this is all new. But here's the fascinating part about it, is that what you will hear today is that we do not have the capacity, mankind do not ha- does not have the capacity to please God, appease God, impress God enough that He would die on the cross for us. You got that part? There's nothing, I don't care how good you were, I, I don't know how, you may look like Gary. You may be that handsome of a man. You may have the incredible intelligence of Michael Camilleri. You may have the muscle structure of Dale Shell. I don't care how good you are. You may be dressed so well, like myself. No, you may be dressed so well, it doesn't matter. You cannot impress God enough to make His Son hang on the cross. You got that part, right? So how does this work? Let's get into it. Number one, let's get into the Scripture and read it. Starting in verse 1. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. So that, being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote to themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. We start with this idea ready for every good work. Verses 1 through 3. What's he doing here? Well, verses 1 through 3 start to speak to the issue of what does a changed life look like, right? If we know Christ, if we've experienced, and I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, if we've experienced the washing and the regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, and Jesus is our Lord and Savior, then there's a change. We move from Cretan to Christian, all right? And so he's talked a little bit about what it looks like to be a Cretan, Now he's talking about what it looks like to be a Christian. He uses things like to be submissive to rulers and authorities. Hmm. Anybody got an authority complex in the room? I'm sure Sally's just laughing because she knows somebody else that has an authority complex in the room. Uh, To be obedient. Oh, that's a good one love that one how many of you love being obedient to your boss when your boss doesn't have a clue right you know who you are you 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 know my boss doesn't know you know so much more than your boss knows about the job that you're doing or what about you know thinking about when you're growing up and your parents you knew so much more than your parents you might have i don't know oh god only knows But see, God does this change in us. To be obedient, whether or not the people that are over us are right or wrong, that's what true obedience is, right? To be ready for every good work. To speak evil of no one. I am so glad. As a matter of fact, we're probably going to advertise our church that way. The church that speaks evil of no one. We just You guys are so good at not doing that. I commend you. How many of you have ever had a problem with that? When somebody's wronged you. You just, my house, my household, this is, this is kind of, I, I'm going to say this in a level of sarcasm, so I'm giving you a fair warning, okay, that uh, this is what life was like for me, and this created horrible legacy problems and issues that my wife is seeking counseling over, is that we never ate at home. I remember all three meals my mom made for us my entire life. Um, two were stew with bay leaves in them, Ooh. And one had something to do with oatmeal. And so we always went out to eat because both my parents worked and it was just easier that way. So I remember just going and we'd sit at different cafes around town and and I'd tune out because it was non-stop them talking about work and how this person just blew it that day and that person blew it that day. And it was like, sometimes I feel like I can't even eat. I'm getting so tense. Your anxiety is pouring upon my life. My poor children have probably succumbed to that. Right, Dylan? You've had to live with that your whole life. Folks, these are the things that are part of our nature. This is who we are naturally. This is our sin part. But he says, this is what God does when He saves you. He changes you from that. doesn't mean you don't struggle in that. It means you don't have to do it anymore. Whereas before Christ, you're lost to it. That's the whole perspective of the world. Right? So number one christian living looks a certain way and he starts out by talking about all these things that christian living looks like it's it's being submissive to authorities being obedient ready for every good work speaking evil of no one avoid quarreling be gentle show perfect courtesy towards all people how many of you are working retail right now anybody working retail going into the christmas season anybody ever work retail going into the christmas season I'm not, I'm just going to share this real briefly. I'm not saying that this was recent, but there was a day, there was a time where I was on a very long road trip from Bailey up to Clayton and, um, and I was extremely thirsty, it was extremely hot, probably about 68 degrees out. And uh, I didn't have time to go to Whole Foods health store to get one of those all-generic, all-gluten-free fruit smoothies. So instead, I gave in to the evil passions of this world, and I hit the jack-in-the-box box drive through for a temporary indulgence of a drink, a libation, if you will. I'm sitting there and forever... Uh, a half life under a nuclear code passed before I got up to the window, and this car in front of me—I just see food keep passing back and forth and back and forth. And I'm like, "What is going?" I pull up, and the poor girl that's going to help me, she's standing there, and she just—she—I I pull up, and she's, oh, a dollar ninety, please. And I, I mean, she, she, right? We're supposed to be courteous to everyone. This is indicative. This girl needs the Holy Spirit. This girl needs—and I'm like i actually said are you okay are you all right and she goes oh and, and i shouldn't have said that because then if somebody was behind me it took an hour for her to explain this and then she says that card she just kept saying do you have everything in my order you ever been that person is my order complete and they made her take everything out of the bag and show her that her order was complete and then pass it back and she was exhausted but she had to do it with a smile and be nice. And you ever been that person, you know? And uh, so I pulled up, so she's just getting me my drink. And so, I, you know, I said, oh, I'm so sorry. And so, you know, I gave her a thing. And here comes the drink, the drink comes. And I just look at her and I said, is my order complete? <laughs> <laughs> I kid you not. She's all... Did you want something else? Did you want? I'm all, no, no, no. I'm just kidding. I'm just, did you, 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 you And she goes, oh, ha, ha. Being courteous at all times is a supernatural ability sometimes, right? And the Holy Spirit does that work in us. So he's saying Christian living looks a certain way. Number two, ready, this idea of being ready for every good work, is a state of the heart and the mind. You might want to underline this one, because this really is, even after service, as I talked about this, it, it keeps coming up. It really keeps coming up, especially in relation to this collaboration with the Holy Spirit. Is our mind, is our heart prepared? Is it focused? We sang these words today, I'll set my mind, I'll fix my mind on the perfecter of my faith. This is how we're ready for every good work. That we are collaborating with He who is cohabitating. Got it? Every. What does every mean? Every opens up our dependency on the Holy Spirit in Jesus Christ. What do we do with that? Every good work. Well, let me just ease your mind. Have you ever been at at an event and you felt like you had to do everything because people dropped the ball? Have you ever been in that position and it's just nonstop stress? Sometimes I think we do that in churches to our people, serving in ministries. And I want to encourage you, if you ever get to feeling like that here, the Lord's work is never intended to be this way. But the Lord's work also is never intended for you just to do it in your power and your strength. And that's what this message is all about. It's collaborating so that you're ready for whatever comes your way that God would have you to do in that moment. Do you get that? Here's a fascinating thing about collaboration. At my former church, uh, Easter was coming up and I always ran the Good Friday service. And I would kind of design it and make it happen And my wife, one year, um, very appropriately so, as a gift, she got me voice lessons. (laughs) That'll stop your singing when when you realize people pay for you to get voice lessons. And so my wife got me voice lessons with this gal in our church who's incredible. She had a fellowship. She ended up leaving there. She had a fellowship for the Chicago Opera Company. That's how good this gal was. So, so actually I only did like two lessons with her and I felt so bad about myself that I just never continued, um, which is obvious to this day. I could do these little, little, really weird scales and you know, I think they teach you to bark a little bit and all these other things. But what happened as a result of those lessons is I was supposed to get ready and kind of configure what we were going to do for this Good Friday service. And I got this great idea. Because... We've got to have some special performances. And I said, hey, Des, her name is Desiree. And I said, hey, Des, how would you like to sing the Via Della Rosa? And you could dress up in your first century garb, which I know you got at Neiman Marcus last week. Um, you know, for us, that's a bathrobe or something, right? You always dress up for your Christmas pageants and stuff. I said, we'll we'll get you a costume and everything. And you can just kind of wander through the crowd. The room will be dark and we'll have a light on you. And you just sing Via Rosa and I'll back you up on guitar. And she said, yes, which then prompted me for two solid months every day, practicing for an hour and a half on this song. Now, I'll just tell you guitar on this song, a fifth grader could play this. And, and not a virtuoso fifth grader, but it's pretty simple. But the result, if I had simply played Via Della Rosa on guitar, people would have started dreaming of marshmallows and unicorns. Okay, They're not tracking with what we're really trying to accomplish. It was Desiree's incredible voice that just hit the home run. And people still, to this time and this is about 10 years later will refer to that they'll in conversation with me going back and and thinking about it we'll talk about that moment and how incredible that moment was they never say that that moment was incredible because of my guitar playing but you know what i got to participate in it didn't i i wasn't the true power but i was part of it and i got to enjoy the results of it are you seeing this you seeing how this works This is kind of what we're talking about when we're talking about every good work being prepared. Our hearts and minds have to be attenuated towards the Spirit. And let's look at how that happens now. Let's move to the next part uh, this morning. Oh, I can't show that to you. Now, a little thing happened when we're talking about this idea of the Spirit of God working with us. And how does that work with every good work? I have a baseball right here. Some of you know what this baseball is all about. Some of you don't know anything, and you're about to learn, and your lives will be changed forever because of this story. This baseball is precious to me, and it hangs in my office. This baseball was thrown in a game this past year by none other than World Series winner, Game 7 winner, John Lester. And if that isn't impressive enough for you, he threw it to a young man who probably will win MVP of all Major League Baseball this year, my baseball hero, mike trout and the way the story goes is this when mike trout hit this ball it was traveling at 100 miles plus over 100 miles an hour and i caught this ball now you may i tell you that story and you're like scott's like wait a minute i play softball with you on sunday nights you can't even catch a softball traveling at 25 miles an hour I didn't say when it was traveling 100 miles an hour. It left the bat at 100 miles an hour. But some of you know the story that when it started traveling towards our general area, I went into a spiritual moment where time continuum slowed down. And I started praying, Oh Lord God in heaven, prove yourself as in the days of Elijah. No, it wasn't that bad, but it was close. The ball, I kid you not, hits the the mound in the bullpen and caroms off the mound, taking the velocity of one hundred plus off and decelerating the ball into a perfect trajectory to where only these palm olive hands could catch this symbol of God's love for me. <laughs> now, if I were to tell you that story, some of you may be saying, Pooh! Okay, right. Where's the evidence? Boom! I'm glad you asked. There he is, having caught the ball and succumbing to gladiator levels of people. You see that guy behind me? He's attacking me. And yet I caught the ball and your pastor in his spiritual moment in the very next shot, caught on TV, gives praise to Jesus for His work. Because it was a collaboration. Now, obviously I embellished the story a little bit, but do you understand? The story would not have anywhere close to as much meaning. This ball would not, well, it would be hanging on my wall. I've got to be honest with you. But the ball wouldn't have as much meaning had I not entered in instantaneously to prayer to my God. Saying, because it wasn't coming to me. It was heading 20 yards to my right. And if God can take something that mundane, and really it is mundane, if God can take something that mundane, think of what He truly can do for what matters through me and through you. But my heart and my mind were focused the moment started coming towards me. And I started praying. And I'm telling you, I don't catch that well. I, I was telling my son, I caught it with my left hand. And he said, Dad, that's your glove hand. Big deal. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. This morning as we move forward, the second point... Or Romans 8, actually, before we get there. Romans 8 gives us a good understanding of this first point, being ready for every good work. That the struggle here, and we're about to head into worthless works, is the idea that you can try to do works in your own strength. Part of that challenge is that if you do that, you're doing it without the Spirit of God. And that's what we're truly getting into today, is that you want to collaborate with the Spirit. Just like myself with Desiree, I get to have some ownership... And I get to see the fruit of having that incredible musical moment, even though I really wasn't the power in it. You see what I'm saying? I'm still part of it. And because of somebody who has so much more ability, so much power, it was an incredible thing that I got to participate in. Went way beyond my abilities. Way beyond my abilities. That's what it's like to live under the power of the Holy Spirit and let Him do the work through you. Rather than you try to do it in your own. And it says here, for those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. What did we say earlier? That if you're going to be ready for every good work, you have to ready your mind, you have to ready your heart on a daily basis. And like we sang today, set your mind on the perfecter of your faith. If you're doing that, you're attenuated to the Holy Spirit. Then you start to see the work, you start to see the good works happen as a result of, of cohabitation and collaboration with the spirit he says for to set the mind on the flesh is death but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace for the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to god for it does not submit to god's law indeed it cannot those who are in the flesh cannot please god but up above remember it says but those who live according to the spirit set their mind on the things of the spirit If we're going to walk with the Spirit, if the Spirit is going to do this work in our life, if we're going to collaborate with Him to do that which transcends our abilities, we have to set our mind on Him. We have to set our heart on Him. Worthless works. Well, Pastor, why would you bring this up? Well, because the passage brought it up. My goodness, didn't you see it here? Start in verse 4. But when the goodness and loving kindness of our God, our Savior appeared, He saved us. Here it is. Not because of works done by us in righteousness. We know that there are people, and we may even dive into this a little bit ourselves. There are religions that teach if you do works, if you do enough works, if you look righteous enough, if the fruit that you're doing is good enough, then you are accepted by whom? You're accepted by God. And yet that's not the message of Scripture. That's not the true message of salvation. Ephesians two eight says, For it is by grace you have been saved, not of works lest any man should boast. There was nothing that I could do to make God put His Son on that cross. There's nothing that you can do to have God the Father take His Son and die a hideous death on that cross to pay for our sins. And when we start to realize that, we start to realize what grace is. That there is an unacquirable... It's a great Jer word right there. It's not a real word. There is something that we cannot acquire. And it's our own salvation. We can't do anything good enough to do that. Now once you make that statement of faith, once you believe in Christ, once you have that grace come to you, there's a collaboration. How does that happen? Look at the the next part of the verse. It says this, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. You know, my parents... My biological parents must have been incredible people. Yours must have been incredible people. I mean, mensa material. Why? Your parents made you. Right? Joel, your dad must be an incredible craftsman because he made you. Do you know how complex the human body is? How incredibly complex the human body is? And yet he made you. She made you. You Here's the fascinating thing about birth is that there's a collaboration that happens. Obviously. It really does require, although our society would love to change that idea, it really does require a female and a male to create new life. And we can make that choice. And we can create life. But here's the fascinating thing I find. Is that even if someone doesn't believe in God... You know, when they hold their baby for the first time, there is a sense, there is a true sense that what they're holding transcends anything that they knew they could ever make. My dad can't put together a coffee table. But he made me. How's that work? Because God already instituted, you know, Sunday night, I heard something that just fascinated me from Options for Women. They were talking about how at eight weeks, and, and we got a couple people in the room, if I'm off on this, correct me. At eight weeks, you already have your fingerprints. Is that right? At eight weeks, you already have your fingerprints. But here's what I didn't know. That identical twins still have separate fingerprints. Do you begin to comprehend the majesty with which we are created? and that two people can make a choice to create life, guess what? That life has already been preordained. God has already put everything in those very simple cells. Everything of who you are has already been predetermined. It's there. And if I find it mind-boggling that men think that they could do. Just think about it. I'm not that good. You know they made a new math app that you can just take a picture of it. You can put like the math book here and you can do this and it'll tell you how to do this. That's how smart we're getting. Folks, I don't care how smart we're getting. I don't think one person in this room could do a scintilla of DNA strand. God puts something together And then he created the opportunity for people to have a working choice as to when to enter into what he's already doing. Folks, that's a collaboration. Do you see that? That's just an example of what this is about. That when you are lost because of sin. Now watch this. When you're lost because of sin, you could do good things. That's great. Don't discount that but you're never going to impress God enough that He would put His Son on the cross for you, which is the only way that we're able to pay for sins. So in His own grace, without you doing anything, He provided a way. The next step that happens. And by the way, we can never earn the acceptance of God. Our justification and eternal life comes only through the actions and the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. The next part that happens... I'm probably going to lose you here, but try to stay with me. You ready? How many of you ever did that pinata thing as a kid? Or you've had your kids do the pinata thing? Okay? And, and you know. You know how it goes. Right? You put a blindfold over the person, and then you ask them, can you see? Can you see, right? Because you want to check them in. And then you spin them around... And and they're headed, you know, for all they know, they're facing China. But somehow, mysteriously, they're able to correct themselves. They can't see, but they're able to correct themselves. And with the very first blow, even though you got it on a, on a cord, and you're zipping that thing up or you're, you're dropping it down, and whack, a perfect shot, candy goes flying everywhere, and now 17 kids are crying because they didn't get to hit the thing. So you have a little conversation with Junior afterwards. You could see, couldn't you? No, I couldn't. No, I couldn't see. You, and you know they could see through that veil. Folks, that's kind of what it's like with God and us before the Holy Spirit comes and does the work of regeneration. 2 Corinthians 4 says that it is like this, that there is a veil over our face. That's the pinata illustration. There's this thing blocking for clear vision. But you can kind of make out the images, right? That's society that says, well, yeah, there's probably a higher power. There's probably God. Yeah, I get it. But, but you know, I'm not going to commit to Him. I'm not going to make Him Lord of my life. And then the Holy Spirit, through the power of regeneration, lifts that veil. So you see clearly. And for those in the room that have experienced this regeneration by the Holy Spirit, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Because as 1 Corinthians 2 talks about, That which seems like foolishness at one moment, you're willing to die for the next. Amen? That is by the Holy Spirit. Now, worthless works. If I, even if I come to the Lord through the regeneration of the Holy Spirit and now I'm saved, if I keep trying to do works to impress God and I'm doing that on my own, that's worthless. Amen? That is worthless. If you are tied into a ministry here at Conquer Bible and the result of being tied into that ministry is you're burnt out and you've been trying to do it in your own strength and you're not seeing this collaboration effort, you come talk to me and we'll relieve you of all of that. And and we'll get to that here in a point. As a matter of fact, let's go to our next point. Your righteous works are the result of the Holy Spirit's influence. You're going to know this because you get involved in something that maybe you wouldn't have thought of. Maybe there are individuals that have shared with you that you have had a, an impact on their life. There was something you said that you weren't really even thinking that that mattered that much or that that was that important. Think about these kids who wrote these letters and how influential that'll be as an encouragement to these missionaries. You think these kids really kind of put it all together? They don't have to put it all together. They collaborated, and our leaders collaborated with the leading of the Holy Spirit to do this. You kind of getting it now? That when we do these works, they are incredibly enjoyable, and most of the time, they're a little bit out of our comfort zone. But it's the Holy Spirit leading us to it. And when that happens, guess what? You get to rock Via Rosa with an operatic singer. And you walk away that night thinking, what just happened? Or you're speaking to 500 Chinese kids at a camp, and 150 stay back to accept the Lord. And you're saying, w- there's got to be a language barrier thing here, God. How does that happen? Or maybe you just have a conversation with your neighbor, because the Holy Spirit put it on you that something's wrong. Or maybe it's the drive-thru person who got beat up a little bit by the car in front of you. You see what I'm saying? You're never going to know that collaboration effort and create those good works, every good work, instead of worthless works, unless your heart and your mind is set on the perfecter of your faith. Got it? Your righteous works are a result of the Holy Spirit's influence. Last point, and we'll finish up. Devoted to works, verse 8. Verse 8 this morning as we look at it, great, great verse. And again, by the way, you've seen this word works twice already in seven verses. Here's your third time. Verse 8 says, "The saying is trustworthy and I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. We as God's people are to be devoted to good works. Here's the problem with evangelical Christianity. And you're like, what? Well, I don't even know what evangelical Christianity What did he just say? Is he speaking in tongues? What is that? What's evangelical Christianity? It's a reaction against fundamental Christianity. All right? You're going to get a little history lesson here. All right? Fundamental Christianity happened, say, coming out of uh, you know, the 19th century into the early part of the 20th century, and it was all that legalism. Okay, You may know a little bit about that. You may have some of that history. And so what happened is that people looked at and they said, starting actually over in England with the Wesley brothers and others. They said, we need to get back to the basics of what God said. We're getting Pharisaical. We're getting like the Pharisees in the New Testament where it was about the do's and don'ts, do's and don'ts. And we've moved away from the preciousness of who Jesus is and the work of the Holy Spirit and just living in the grace of God. So let's get back to the gospel." Let's get back to basics. And that's what it means to be evangelical. Here's the problem. So much of the time, we want to speak out against these religions that hold in high esteem good works. If you did a round through the uh, uh, neighborhood, through the city, through the region, through the county, there would be a lot of churches that preach the necessity of good works, and they're full. And there's a lot of people in our society that hold them up in high esteem. Because they do a lot of good works. And the Christian church has somehow banked it on Bible study. We have equated in the evangelical church our spiritual life on Bible study and church attendance. And I love Bible study. I love church attendance. I'm so glad you guys are here. If you weren't here, it would be a little depressing for me to say this message. But the great part about it is is that you get to collaborate with the Holy Spirit right now. And I would dare say that He's already spoken to you guys in ways I can't. There's a collaboration happening between He and I for your benefit right now. Now, if all we do is gather for Bible study we become incredible agents of knowledge but we've missed out on the collaboration haven't we i knew how to play guitar i got that one banged i had to work on technique and i learned maybe a couple other things in order to play that song but that's not where i got my joy from do you hear that that's not where i got my joy from i received my joy And the fruit of that experience, by collaborating because the Holy Spirit was working through Des, was working through me, I got to participate in something that transcended what I could do. That has taught me to be devoted to good works. Good works that are founded in the prompting by the Holy Spirit. By things that He has already created for you and I to do before the creation of the world. And so I lean on the Holy Spirit who has renewed me. He has washed me He has regenerated me. And because of that, and we'll get to it here in just a minute, it's evidence of the Spirit at work in my life. This is one of the ways you know that you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Do you see the fruit of collaboration with the Spirit? Remember I told you, this is going to be important stuff for you today. Many of us may have come to the decision of saying, Jesus Christ, I want you in my life. And just like in a marriage contract, we got up at a, at, a, at an altar and we said, I do. And then we just walked away and never did anything with that person. We never collaborated with that person. We never shared life together. We never did anything as a team. That's insanity, right? And yet, evangelical churches, sometimes we teach this. All you have to do is commit. Just say the words and you're in. And go to Bible study. Yay! We're missing the point. We're missing the point that God gave to us that we're to be devoted to good works because in order for me to be devoted to that, in order for me to do what I'm doing right now... 30 more seconds on the clock. Here we go. Somebody did one of those, like, personality test things uh, on Facebook this week, and I don't know why it caught my eye. Some of you are laughing because you've seen my results. And... uh, Well, that's not nice. (laughs) And my results came out exactly like I've always known them to be since I ever took that stupid test. Yes, I said that from the pulpit. I am an INFP. Do you know an INFP has no business standing in front of people talking for any duration beyond five seconds? This is an incredibly difficult thing for someone like me to do. So when I talk about collaborating with the Holy Spirit, it's happening every single Sunday. And I love it. But who I am by nature, I would hate it. I would hate it. I love being devoted to good works. Because I get to be reminded that Christ is in me. Amen? That's what it's about. Let me give you two more things and you guys can go to lunch. 1 Corinthians 12, 4-7 speaks about this. It speaks about the body. It gives the right perspective about the Spirit's collaborative efforts with us. And Paul says this. He says that, that the Spirit gives us things to do, good works. And there's a variety of different works for us to do. And they are all for me, right? They're all for me to feel better about myself. No, they're for you. I do what I do by the leadership and the prompting of the Holy Spirit for your benefit. And when I see you benefit, guess what happens for me? I get great joy. But He's going to lead me into things like I just admitted to, that I'm not prepared for that good work. But He's led me into it. And He says, I will do it for you. I will take care of it for you. I will carry you through it. For some of us, that's going to mean we have to change jobs. For some of us, that means that that uh, we 're going to have to take on things that we never knew we could do, and that 's a scary scary idea, but not when you 're collaborating with the Holy Spirit because he 's cohabitating in you. They are markers of the Christian, not the Cretan. you want to know you want to know the the definitive measure of if you know the Lord, folks, if you 're not seeing the Holy Spirit working in your life prompting you to do good works, you need to check it. You really do. You just need to check it. You need to have a conversation with me. You need to have a conversation with someone who is spiritual and who knows the Lord. And you need to just say, "I, I don't see this happening within my life. You may not just recognize it. It may be happening. You don't recognize it. You may not have been taught how to listen to the spirit. But there might be a chance that the reason you can't collaborate with the spirit is because you're not cohabitating with the spirit. That somebody told you at some point, "Hey, man, you just raise your hand and, and, and you say these words, and you 're in baby that 's the fault of the evangelical church. True conversion happens because God draws you to him, and the power of the Holy Spirit regenerates you and opens your eyes clearly, and then he is inside of you, and now, because he 's cohabitating with you, he starts collaborating with you, and at least to this last point. Uh, 2 Peter one three through four you can look that up write it down on your on your uh, on your notes but this whole point of collaboration with the Spirit it's the litmus test of guilt or love and this is our closing thought it's the litmus test of guilt or love what do I mean by that I mean this if if you're involved in a ministry because you were told well that's what a Christian does that's their next step is to serve We say that a lot from here. And so you're like, well, okay, that's the next thing. I'm going to get in there. I'm going to start serving. And you are just worn out spiritually because of it. Because maybe it was me. Maybe it was somebody else. But we said, hey, we really need this. If this doesn't happen, children aren't going to eat in Africa or whatever we would say. Right? And so you're like, okay, fine. I don't have any time, but I'll do it. Uh uh-uh. uh. If, if you're serving here in that sense, please come talk to me. I will be the first one to relieve you of that service, and then we'll just start talking about how do you collaborate with the Spirit. Because we want you to be in a, in a situation where, yes, you will be tested. Yes, you will have to wrestle, but you will have to depend on the Holy Spirit because there will be joy that results in fruit from that relationship. And that's what it means to be devoted to every good work. Because once you've tasted of that, my friends, not the things that are easy, not the things that you can do on your own, but the things that transcend what you can do. Where there's evidence that the Holy Spirit was there. It doesn't have to be a huge thing. It can be a very small thing. But when you see that evidence, that adds to your understanding that God is in you. And you are secure in Him. And that is a great thing. In closing, you have a quote at the bottom of your notes. And it's worth mentioning to close our service. It's by St. John of the Cross and it says this, Christians should always remember that the value of His good works is not based on their number and excellence, but on the love of God which prompts Him to do these things. This week, my friends, as you walk in your faith out of love for God, listen, just listen. And then, if you're prompted by the Holy Spirit, act on it and watch what happens. And it will help you be devoted to good works. Let me close in prayer. Lord, this is a privilege. To share Your Word. But now comes the part where Your Spirit convicts, encourages, uplifts, guides, takes these words and creates change and transforms us to where we need to be. Take these words, whether it's the Gospel message of You saving us, or whether it's the challenge of not doing works that are worthless, Or whether it's the idea of making sure that they are done out of love and in collaboration with Your Spirit rather than guilt. And impress on us how we can get joy from doing good works. To Your glory, Father. Amen.